Georgia's DBHDD reminds people that the Good Samaritan Law can save lives during alcohol and drug overdoses. People are urged to call 911 and stay until help arrives. More information at opioidresponse.info. Welcome to the Georgia Today podcast from GPB News. Today is Tuesday, August 22nd. I'm Peter Biello. On today's episode, one of the other co-defendants in Donald Trump's RICO indictment turned himself in here in Atlanta. Officials have broken ground on the first of three new behavioral health crisis centers in the state. And I'll talk to a familiar face for many Peloton users about his Georgia roots. These stories and more are coming up on this edition of Georgia Today. John Eastman, the conservative attorney who pushed a plan to keep Donald Trump in power, turned himself into authorities today. He was booked at the Fulton County Jail before being released. Eastman is expected to have an arraignment set in the coming weeks in the sprawling racketeering case that alleges an illegal plot to overturn the former president's 2020 election loss. Eastman said in a statement provided by his lawyers that he was surrendering to an indictment that should never have been brought. You can find an in-depth look at the indictments here in Georgia on GPB's Battleground Ballot Box podcast. Television judge Glenda Hatchett is speaking out after the Georgia sheriff that groped her pleaded guilty to sexual battery. Sheriff Chris Cootie of Middle Georgia's Bleckley County admitted to the crime and resigned from office yesterday. It happened at a hotel bar last year during a law enforcement conference, an incident that Hatchett says so stunned her that she froze that somebody could make me in that moment feel helpless. And I was angry, frankly. I was angry that I didn't slap him. I didn't kick him. But now I understand victims. I was absolutely frozen. Hatchett says she's receiving therapy because the incident has deeply affected her. Cody was sentenced to 12 months of probation and community service, among other penalties. Officials broke ground yesterday on the first of three new publicly funded behavioral health crisis centers in Georgia. GPB's Ellen Eldridge reports the facility in Atlanta's Fulton County comes ahead of two others being planned for Dublin and Augusta. The center will offer help round the clock, including inpatient evaluation, detox for those with substance use disorders, and help for people in severe mental health crisis. Uh, but it will also help the person who just needs to come in for a short period of time into a living room style model have a conversation with a peer, have a conversation with a clinician, and get tied to outpatient uh, community-based services. Tanner says the General Assembly has already approved funding to operate the 15-bed facility. For GPB News, I'm Ellen Eldridge. A cyber attack against Augusta's municipal government back in May is leading to higher-than-normal water bills for some residents now, months later. The security breach halted meter readings for more than a month. Leidra Collins of Augusta Utilities says many residents got estimated bills, and now that meters are back up, they're paying any disparity in the actual and estimated bill, plus the usual summer bump in water use. You have swimming pools, of course, and then water in the grass. So the usual increase on top of this, this is why the bills for some are probably higher than others. Some residents report water bills double or triple the usual amounts. Collins says anyone who suspects a billing problem should contact the utility. Georgia has a new Department of Natural Resources commissioner. 
The agency's board voted today to promote veteran administrator Walter Rabin to succeed Mark Williams, who left the DNR to become executive director of the Jekyll Island Authority in July. Georgia's squirrel hunting season began last week. There are three species of squirrels in the state, and hunters can pursue two of them, the gray squirrel and the fox squirrel, until February 29th. Tina Johansson with the Georgia Department of Natural Resources says the season is set in part to help protect squirrel populations. But when they're actually you know, producing offspring and those offspring are helpless and dependent on the, the female animal, we don't want to be out there hunting them. And so, for example, squirrels aren't actively breeding during the fall and winter. So that's the time of year when we set our season. Johansson says squirrel hunting is one of the more popular small game activities. She says it's accessible to all kinds of hunters, especially young hunters, because it doesn't require sitting still and quietly for long periods. Squirrel hunters are required to have a regular hunting license and hunter education. Georgia's National Park Service units attracted about 6.5 million visitors and contributed $381 million in visitor spending last year. That's according to the agency's latest economic impact report released yesterday. If you like hearing the news from around the state here on Georgia Today, you'll probably like hearing how Georgia's agriculture economy feeds the country and the world on a fork in the road. I'm David Zelski, and on the Fork in the Road podcast, we feature stories from Georgia's farmers, fishermen, merchants, artisans, chefs, and others who help provide Georgia-grown products to folks in the Peach State and beyond. Find it online at gpb.org podcast or download it on your favorite podcast platform. Users of Peloton, the exercise machine slash social media company, can choose between what seems like an endless selection of workouts guided by friendly, funny, and fit instructors. One of the company's top instructors, with more than 280,000 followers on Instagram, has roots here in Georgia. What's up, Peloton fan? Battle for time for a 30-minute hip-hop ride. I could not be more excited for this ride. We're going to have such a good time today. Wilpers is a Georgia State grad who grew up in Marietta. He recently spoke with me while at Peloton stop in Alpharetta during Peloton on Tour. So how does it feel being back here in Atlanta? It feels so great to be back. Uh, the first thing I did this morning was go run in Piedmont Park. And of course, I ran into my colleague, <laughs> John Hosking, uh, and we ended up doing a workout together around the Oval. And it just it's so awesome to go through Atlanta and see how how much Atlanta's progressed. And it's, it's just always progressing and it, it's really beautiful. I love it. Are there favorite spots you have to work out? You mentioned Piedmont Park. Is there a, a trail that you like to run or bike or, or somewhere else that, that you return to time and again? Oh my goodness. Well, downtown Atlanta, obviously Piedmont Park's amazing and running through Atlanta. We used to do a lot of workouts down here, but then I also trained a lot at the Chattahoochee River and there's a, there's a couple different entrances, including Soap Creek and, and on also Columns Drive, but that was really what set the foundation for me in my running career. And uh, my mom actually got me on the bike there as well in Soap Creek. And that's how I got into cycling. And so she took us mountain biking on, that, on, that, on those trails to get us ready to go skiing with her. Because she told us we couldn't go skiing if, if we were unfit. And so she got us on the bike and, and, and uh, put us through the paces. <laughs> when you were growing up here, did you ever have the sense that you'd make fitness your profession? You know, I didn't see it coming at all, to be honest. I just loved doing it. And I, but I quickly realized, you know, during high school and then college that fitness was how I could really get through life, handle stresses, but also study. And it just became a way of just being able to control, you know, help 
manage my mindset, but also manage my body. And, and um, I, I never th- thought I'd see it becoming a profession. I thought I was going to become, uh, when I went to college, it was, I was talking about this earlier, I, it was computer science, or it was going to med school, or it was becoming, you know, someone going into the business world. And after t- taking physics and a computer science class, I quickly realized that uh, <laughs> those were knocked out. For, so I, I focused on, on business. Right, you were a CPA for a while. Yeah, Georgia State, got my degree in, in accounting and finance, and I, I, I was pretty convinced I was going to eventually go into to finance. Yeah, and, and how was it making the leap from, from being an accountant to being uh, an instructor? Oh, man, well, the, the, it wasn't a straight line. <laughs> it went, uh, you know, I was working on a bunch of startups on the side, fitness startups, and I just, you know, I just knew that accounting wasn't going to be an end-all, be-all for me. And I had kind of dabbled in going back to school to get my, you know, GMATs and go to get in heavier to finance. And I just realized I wanted to spend some time sort of exploring and, and, and finding my true passion. And when I was coaching and working with people, that's really, really, really discovered my true passion. And that was all on the side happening while I was, at, while I was an accountant. And uh, so I made the transition, worked on those startups in the fitness space, decided, you know, maybe it wasn't all it cracked up to be. And then I decided I was going to go to med school. And of course, while I was tr- doing all the classes to go to med school, the uh, all the opportunities in the fitness space started really happening. And uh, eventually they became too good to uh, to want to go any further with med school. So I, I, I made the jump. But it, it was tough because, you know, fitness you know, is not necessarily like that traditional career path that most people take. And I always thought I was going to be the traditional career path kind of guy. And that's just not how the cards uh, fell for me. So here I am. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a Peloton class for you as the instructor is part workout, part performance. You're going to have, you're Correct. having to keep users engaged for, you know, you do those power zone endurance rides, those 90 minute classes. Yeah. And sometimes, and sometimes there's nobody in the studio with you. It's just you and a camera yeah. and, and producers. So how do you find that part of the job? Not just the, the doing something physical, but also like entertaining people through a camera. Well, you know, that's a great question because at the end of the day, like my goal is to get people to do what they need to be doing, but make it more fun and accessible. And I've spent a lot of time training as an athlete, but I've also spent a lot of time coaching. So I know both sides. And I know, and I know that it's like, if you get the person invested in what they're doing, you remind them what they're doing, and then you structure their time appropriately, you can really make time fly by. And that's kind of my goal is, is to you know, make quality training more accessible and more fun and engaging so that more people want to do it because I think that everyone wants to get results. So let's make that fun and engaging. And informative because I know I used to teach in Central Park at like 5:30 in the morning, and the only way I could get people to show up is if I put together a great workout that would help move the needle towards their goals. But I would try, you know, try to teach them something every time and make it fun and engaging. And I found that was really the recipe to get people to show up again and again and again at 5:30 in the morning. During your workouts, you often refer to food as fuel in your workouts. That's correct. So, so for people trying to get in better shape, I mean, how much of the effort is, is going on in the kitchen and how much of it is going on in places like the gym? Oh, man. You, there, there's a saying, you, you cannot run the fork, <laughs> <laughs> which is so true. Uh, if nutrition's not dialed in, the rest of it's really going to be hard to make progress with. And I made this connection my freshman year of college. I used to you know, you, you get to college, you have 
you know, your parents been cooking for you your whole life. And then uh, all of a sudden you got to cook for yourself. And at Georgia State, they didn't really have a meal plan. So I was stuck having to cook for myself. So I was eating frozen pizzas and all kinds of junk. And eventually the, uh, the seniors took me out to the farmer's market and got me cooking and, and eating better nutrition. And my performance gains and how I slept, everything improved. And so that's where I really made that connection. And, and so it's like when I think about that's when that transition really happened. You got to realize you got to make that connection between what you're putting in your body and what you expect to get out. And if, if what you're putting in is not, you know, what you want to get out or jiving with what you want to get out. I mean, you got to fix that mismatch and, and get re- and get realistic with your diet because food is fuel. <laughs> and is food always just fuel for you or is it or sometimes is it still purely pleasurable for you? Oh, it's definitely. Ple- I mean, you, you can find that's the thing is like we can find pleasure in 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 food like I love having chocolate here and there but you got to watch you have to watch volume and you have to disconnect you kind of have to disconnect food from emotion a little bit too because a lot of times we think we deserve to have to have the world you know from from a food standpoint but if we reward ourselves in other ways I think that's 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 a healthier relationship with food so is that the way you disconnect it? You, you find a reward in a different way? Yeah, I, I try to find my reward in different ways, for sure. And like whether it's an experience or spending time with people or, you know, it's it's not necessarily just food. And and a quick way to sabotage your training session is just to go stuff your, stuff your mouth with junk after, after a training session. You know, that's not going to help you. It's going to put you back. And you just spent the entire training session trying to make gains. So you, yeah. you got to, I mean, it's fundamental. So I asked the Atlanta Peloton Facebook group what they might have wanted to hear from you. I heard about this through the grapevine. Oh, you heard about this. Okay, great. Well, lots of good questions there. You may have seen the preview, but I'm going to read this one exactly as Rosa wrote it. And the question is, what are your current go-to snacky snacks? Oh, my goodness. Besides bananas. She's using your words there. (laughs) Oh, my favorite go-to snacky snacks. That's hilarious. Well, let me think about that. Banana and almonds, like when I'm studying, those are like clutch. I love it. And then let's see here, snacks. My wife, my wife's a big chip person, so she's always got chips around. And so every once in a while, I sneak a chip in. <laughs> just one. No, just a few, just a few. I'm trying <laughs> to think of other snacks. Really, just fruits. And one of my favorite snacks, honestly, is getting uh, fresh vegetables with hummus. That is like the best snack ever. You do that and some fruit. Like we love having like different types of fruit around. Like for example, uh, I just did, you know, we, did, we bought a bunch of mango steins as well as lychee. I love those fruits and, and it's just a, it's a fantastic snack. But the other thing too is if you're gonna have a training session, you can't have like something that's gonna sit in your gut and make you feel terrible. Fresh fruits, uh, fruits and vegetables are really the way to go. We get this question from Kate, which I'll paraphrase. How do you motivate yourself to run on days when you don't want to? Well, I think it's important to listen to your body and understand, you know, when you when you don't want to, well, why is it why is it that you don't want to? Is it because you had a bad sleep? Is it because your nutrition's not dialed in? Or is it because maybe you're overtraining? And I think you have to really ask your question, the question, well, why do I not feel like this right now? And sometimes sometimes the answer is don't do it. Sometimes the answer is don't run. But oftentimes, you know, there's something else in our lives that we need to fix. 
and you have to decide, well, okay, well, if, there, if this isn't what I want to do, but I need to do it, then you, you, can, re, you can realize that the, the need is there to do it. And one thing, you know, you learn in athletics is if you want to achieve something, you have to do it. And a lot of athletes are really good at saying, well, this has to get done if I want this to happen. So you just need to do it. Get tough. Have discipline. But also... If you find yourself not wanting to do things, you need to you need to look into that. You need to dive in and why. Otherwise, it's like, well, do you want your goal that bad? Is it that important, or do we need to, you know, have another self-talk? Several people wanted to know: um, Are there Atlanta food spots that you just have to hit while you're here? Oh, that's a great question. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Um, I hope to, I hope to hit them, but you know, we got, I, 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 I'm I'm traveling with the family right here, so we'll see. I'll, I'll name some names. I, you know, I, I was just with the, the at the headquarters here at Atlanta, uh, in Atlanta with Peloton, uh, meeting some of our engineers. I go, you know, where's everyone going for barbecue right now? And you know, I, in my head, it was Fat Mats when I was when I was here uh, in Atlanta, and so everyone's like, still Fat Mats. I'm like, all right, well, I gotta go. And then, um, you know, the cheesecake at Cafe Anamenso. I have not had that. Oh, that was so good. I, I love sweets. So. I, Maybe I'll sneak in one of those. I don't know. And then uh, what else is there? There's, oh, Flying Biscuit, of course, is good. And then my favorite, my uh, team's favorite breakfast spot was the uh, Highland Bakery with their sweet potato pancakes. I, lo- I love those. Oh, my goodness. So that place has blown up since I was here. Hey, did I see you get a chance to meet uh, Spencer Strider? I did, and that was so much. I could talk to him for ages. Talk about people who are dialed into their workout. I mean, he's notoriously great at sticking to it, even in the off season. I talked to a lot. I actually talked a lot about his. Uh, talked with him a lot about his training. I felt like I was interviewing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, what did you learn from him, or what did he learn from you? Oh my gosh, we had such a great time. He gave me a lot of tips on like throwing baseballs. Obviously, I once talked about the different grips because I I grew up playing baseball before I ever got into you know, running and everything else. And, um, you know, I told him, you know, I asked him about his training strategy. Well, number one, like how he got started. When did he, when did he realize he, baseball was really what he was going to go for, which is fascinating. He, used, he told me he was three years old and he was like, I, I knew baseball was going to be it for me. And, you know, I go, when did you start first working with a coach? And he goes, not until high school, which means he was self-taught through all that time. And then through high school, he got, he was lucky enough to, work with one of the top high school coaches in the country who made a big difference with him. And then, you know, I, we started talking about his training regiment now. And just similar to, to what we talk about for endurance athletes, in the off-season, he's going, you know, big on heavy heavy weights, also working on endurance. But in the, in the, in the on-season, he's got to taper that off a little bit and focus on more just muscle activation, taking care of what he's built in the off-season. And a lot of times, you know, pitching and going through games is helping him with his with his cardio. But he is that man is training constantly. Yeah, it shows. It shows. He's an athlete through and through. And uh, I really appreciated. Like, had a wonderful conversation. He's really dialed in with the why behind what he does, and he's his attention to detail. He's he's gonna have a, a long, wonderful career. Matt Wilpers, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. Thanks so much for having me. This is a, a, an honor and a, and a pleasure. I much appreciate it. 
And after we spoke with Matt Wilpers about Spencer Strider, we get a chance to talk to Spencer Strider about Matt Wilpers. He says they talked about how he grew up a Braves fan, and although he hasn't yet been to a game at Truist Park... But he's got a dream of throwing out the first pitch, so I don't know that I quite have the, the pull around here to make any of that happen for him, but... You know, I'll, I'll do my best. Strider spoke to us after throwing seven shutout innings against the Giants Friday night, allowing one hit and striking out ten. The Braves won that game four to nothing. Last night, however, the Braves were not so lucky. The Mets beat the Braves ten to four. The Braves and Mets face off again tonight for the second of a three-game series. Bryce Elder is expected to get the start for the Braves tonight. And that's it for this edition of Georgia Today. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to learn more about any of these stories, visit gpb.org news. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. If you have feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Email georgiatoday at gpb.org. I'm Peter Biello. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.